be advised, we understand some of the content of this presentation may be emotionally triggering in nature. Please listen as you feel comfortable. everybody to this episode with Tusk Against Trafficking. I'm one of your hosts, Jocelyn Hampshire, and I'm here with Molly McMath and Robin Bowdish. And today we are going to be talking about community involvement, how people can practically get involved with anti-human trafficking efforts. But before we do that, uh, Robin is going to be having a conversation today with Kelly Carey from Rahab. Um, and they're going to be talking about more common themes around how to support survivors of human trafficking. As we talk about community collaboration and things we can do um, to help victims of human trafficking, survivors, you know, any, anybody in the community who's really struggling, uh, we're very excited to have um, Kelly Carey here. So I'm going to let you talk, uh, or let you talk about your role with Rahab and um, what you do with them, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some different ideas you have for community collaboration. That sounds great. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I'm Kelly Carey, and um, I work at Rahab Ministries, uh, which is located in Summit County, but we um, serve multiple counties in Northeast Ohio. Um, I am our Vice President of Programming, which means that I get to oversee all the direct services that we get to do um, for survivors of sex trafficking and those who are vulnerable to trafficking. Uh, some of those services include outreach, uh, community-based programming, mentoring, drop-in centers, as well as our safe houses. Um, we have a, an adult safe house uh, for women who are coming out of commercial sexual exploitation and a minor safe house for uh, juvenile sex trafficking victims as well. Okay, so it, what do you think community members can do to make an impact on reducing human trafficking? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, when I get asked that question, I always think to start with education first, um, because if you want to be a part of the solution to ending human trafficking, you have to be educated yourself on what that issue looks like mm -hmm. and um, not what the issue looks like maybe sometimes in the media, but what it looks like in our own backyard and our communities. Um, so I would encourage people to um, find wonderful community partners like their coalitions, their human trafficking coalitions or agencies to um, link arms with and um, become educated on some of um, the um, the ways that people are vulnerable to being trafficked. And then also some of the myths of how it looks like or how it's portrayed that it looks like. Um, and really what we're seeing um, in uh, Northeast Ohio, uh, I think that it's important to be educated on both sex and labor trafficking um, because it's prevalent in our community. Correct. I, I do agree with you. And sometimes I think our discussions at our Tusk Against Trafficking uh, Coalition revolve around the fact that there is sex trafficking in our county, but labor trafficking is maybe a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And it seems to go unnoticed in some cases. So we, we need to keep that in mind. How can people invest in relationships around them so that they get to know people and, that, and they get to understand their backgrounds, their, um, where they come from, you know, what their relationship is to the community itself? Sure. So, you know, after the education piece, I think 
relationship is the next step, you know, Mm -hmm. so being able to volunteer your time or energy at a local organization or um, being able to get involved at the coalition level um, is a, a wonderful way to combat trafficking. But also that relationship building piece is so important because I think sometimes we think about um, how to um, end human trafficking with uh, policies or programming and all of those things are important. But with relationships, um, we can actually, if we build relationships with people, we're actually on the preventative end of trafficking and we're able to um, wrap around care to those who are vulnerable. So we talk a lot about um, at Rahab, um, our mentoring program mm-hmm. being so key um, to investing in people and women and children Um because if we don't invest in them um, at a relational level, if relationship isn't the intervention, um, then they're not going to um, have trust to be able to have people to reach out to um, if and when something is happening. Um, also, um, as we know, people that are vulnerable to trafficking, they're, they're vulnerable um, because they might feel isolated. They don't have healthy adults in their lives. Um, or if they're an adult, they don't have healthy support systems. So just us as community members investing in people that are vulnerable or at risk, those who have mental health issues or substance abuse or those that just don't have people in their lives, we are, we're truly combating trafficking just by investing in relationships with those people. So what are some of the ways, this is just a question that came to the top of my mind here. What are some of the ways or some of the strategies that Rahab uses to connect with these people and establish those relationships? Sure. Um, So a couple of ways. Um, One is being present and um, there for people over a long period of time, Mm -hmm. knowing that it's not, it might not be a one-time meeting with somebody um, that produces that trust and that relationship. Um, one thing that's unique about Rahab um, that I've noticed is that people can come back over and over and over mm-hmm. again. They're, they're never too far gone. They've never, they've never um, reached a point where they can't come to us for services or for help. Um, so we have drop-in centers. That's a place where we offer community to um, women who are being exploited and they can come in and receive their basic needs, um, meal or hygiene items, but so much more than that, they can receive community and family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when they're accepted and they're not judged, that produces relationship and they want to keep coming back. And that's Mm -hmm. how we continue those relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also our mentoring program, I think does such a good job. As I mentioned before, um, we do that with youth as well as adults and um, making sure that our mentors are trained to um, know how to respond when someone um, has experienced trauma and how to truly love them where they are. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, through a conversation with somebody at rehab, and I'm not sure if it was you or one of the other staff people, one of the things that came up was that uh, traffic victims often don't have an understanding of sitting down Mm -hmm. at a meal with other people and using plates rather than paper plates or just kind of eating off the table. And so that is a big thing for you guys in creating those uh, stable relationships and having that continuity of being able to just sit down and, and have fellowship. That's exactly right. Yeah, I love that. It's something that might sound simple, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it shows somebody their dignity and their worth mm-hmm. when you um, 
take the time to have a meal like that, to not just um, throw something together, but every meal is made with love and care and having Mm -hmm. real plates like Mm -hmm. at the table, sitting around family Mm -hmm. style. So yeah, we do that at our drop-in centers. And then we also make sure and do that at our safe house Mm -hmm. as well. And and I, I love that example because it's something very simple that sometimes families take for granted and that other people don't really get to experience. And so just kind of sharing that kind of relationship with somebody can create such a strong bond. It does. Absolutely. Um, When you talk about getting involved locally, um, we have a great coalition in Tuscarawas County, Tusk Against Trafficking, which is um, the reason for all these podcasts. We also have a very strong uh, uh, faith-based system that uh, does a lot of mentoring that um, reaches out to uh, individuals in need, to people in need. And these, these groups are constantly looking at the community, assessing the needs and jumping in. And I think that's important too for people to understand that locally we do have resources here and we have people who are willing to, to uh, create new resources just to um, move forward. Uh, and I, I actually, I kind of threw this question in at the last minute just because I think it's important for people to have a little bit of understanding of your background. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your role as the co-chair of the Victim Service Committee for the Ohio Attorney General's um, Human Trafficking Task Force? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so at the state level, um, we have um, an Ohio Human Trafficking Commission out of Attorney General Yost's office. Um, and the Human Trafficking Commission does great work, really pulls a lot of um, the key players, the providers, um, the people who are doing really on the ground work across Ohio um, together at a coalition or a collaborative level. Um, And so they have various committees um, that are working on really important topics like legislation or data collection, public awareness. And um, I have the privilege of co-chairing the Victim Service Committee. Um, And really what we're focusing on is um, making sure that across the state, Um, that we have quality service standards. Um, So that would mean that, you know, people who are working with survivors of trafficking on a regular basis have a um, high level of excellence and service provision that they can look to, um, to be able to offer those services at, um, with some standards and some, some guidelines. Um, And so we're working on that um, at a state level, as well as a statewide human trafficking service matrix. So, Mm -hmm. so we have quality referrals across Mm -hmm. the state. um, And, and those, um, those referrals can really benefit the survivors that we're working with on the ground. And then we also, I'm very excited about um, another goal of ours is um, is working to strengthen our response to labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. Um, we don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And so we're really trying to shine some light on um, survivors of labor trafficking and what we can practically do to better serve them in Ohio. Great. I just want to thank you for taking time from your schedule to come down here and talk to us about what's going on at Rahab. Um I, I know they do a lot of good things. Um, your director, Suzanne Lewis-Johnson, was actually part of our coalition when it started, uh, when she was in her previous job. Uh, so we consider her a, a phenomenal resource, and um, we're so happy that uh, she's willing to share her staff with us um, because that's really important for us to learn from others. And kudos for coming up with a statewide matrix. That is something, actually, I was just talking about that today on the phone with somebody. 
Um, that is something that is desperately needed so we can get survivors connected to the resources wherever they are, whatever those resources may be. So thanks, thanks again for joining us and thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, Molly, would you like to start us off today? Um, just how I know a lot of people have asked me, okay, so we're hearing a lot of information, um, but how can I every day or how can I regularly be involved and, and make it practical, everyday kinds of things that I can do to help fight against human trafficking? Um, so what would you say as far as getting involved with, with Tusk Against Trafficking? What kinds of things would you encourage people to do? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to note that there are many different levels of involvement that you can get into, right? Um, I think a lot of times when people here get involved, they their mind immediately goes to, oh, I need to be going out and rescuing uh, victims of human trafficking. And that's not what we're asking for. What we're asking is for practical steps um, that our neighbors here in Tusk County can do to, to help all of us who are sitting around the table at Tusk Against Trafficking. And so um, the very first um, opportunity you could take advantage of to get involved is asking for Tusk Against Trafficking to come in and do a presentation mm -hmm. for your organization, your business, your church. Um, maybe you have a neighborhood watch. Um, it can be any group of people we'd be happy to come in and talk to them. I realize that right now we're in COVID and so that might yeah. be a little bit different, but again, we can always do um, virtual discussions as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way. Um, the other way is to think about um, if you're able to at this time to make a donation to Tusk Against Trafficking. Um, there's many organizations sitting around the table right now who, um, you know, we're all working to pull our resources together to do the work that we're doing. But obviously, you know, it's not enough. And there's costs involved in, in what we do. And so do, donations are always welcome. And if you feel led, um, I would encourage you to send your donation um, to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. And please do make sure that you um, mention that it is a Tusk Against Trafficking donation. And then that'll be put aside for, for us to do our work mm -hmm. here. Awesome. Thank you. And and some of those funds would go for awareness efforts and, and some other things. Yeah, um, I think, Robin, you can probably speak to what we've used donation funds for in the past. So we've used donation funds to help us uh, create um, a, a plan for how we're going to move, how Tusk Against Trafficking is going to move forward with educating the community providing awareness, and even going beyond that in some ways. Um, we've used the funds um, to get the wor word out, uh, these podcasts. Um, some of the funding, the donation funding goes towards that. Um, the funding, the donation funding is not used to pay salaries or anything like that. As we look forward uh, to what we want to do in the future, and that is to reach people who may be involved in human trafficking and may have some concerns about coming forward. And we just want to provide a, a place for fellowship for them, things like that. Um, those funds can be used to help us support that kind of activity. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And getting back to Molly, what you were saying about having Tat come in and give presentations or just sharing some more information. It was really cool. It doesn't have to be, you know, I know, again, COVID talk doesn't have to be a big group or, or, you know, a big um, church or, or big gathering, but I, it was just really neat. We had um, some moms that have reached out to us and said, please come and share with us just our little small moms group, Mm -hmm. um, how we can learn more. So that's real exciting too. Just, just parents and people who are, who just want to know more, um, have a gathering at your house, a small gathering, and we can come out and share too. So, and I I know from our perspective, we've done presentations for four or five people Mm -hmm. or for a hundred people. I mean, we, we don't really discriminate. We don't care. Um, we're happy to do it for anybody. We'd also be willing to meet a couple people and go through um, information on human trafficking and what Tusk Against Trafficking does to help them decide if they want to be involved. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, ladies. Um, another thing, um, I know we talked in our very first podcast episode about awareness and learning more about trafficking. So um, would that be another way? How can we practically get involved is just continue to educate ourselves, right, um, around human trafficking, around how predators operate, traffickers mm-hmm. operate. Um, what what kinds of things would you want to encourage people to to do as far as learning more? Because again, it can be daunting, it can be overwhelming because there is a lot of information. Um, where would you suggest beginning um, and just learning a little more? Tusk I, Against Trafficking, yeah. uh, our website, tuskagainsttrafficking.org. Uh, we have a lot of great resources there and a lot of great links. Uh, the Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force website uh, has a tab on it that's um, that's training, and under that tab is a short video and a two-page brochure on legislation, and the video is on human trafficking. Uh, you can go through and, and uh, read that, listen to that video. Um, there's also a quiz you can take at the end if you uh, want a certificate, um, they'll automatically ma- ma- email that to you if you pass the test. But um, that's a great resource for overall learning about human trafficking in the state of Ohio. Um, but but yeah, I think if you're looking for local resources, I think our website or contacting one of us is probably your best option. And I would also add to make sure that you're following Tusk Against Trafficking on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, We really use that resource to um, throw out there news articles, um, legislation, any breaking type news around human trafficking. Or trainings. Or trainings as well, yes. So it's a great place to just get quick little updates on what's going on around human trafficking. Wonderful. So start there. And there's lots of resources on our website that they can go and and further their search if they'd like. Okay. Um, What about our children? What about our kids? Um, Can they get involved? How can we, um, what can we do to make them more aware or just talk a little bit about um, our children? So what I would say to parents is start talking young and talk often. This is never going to be a one conversation and you're done, right? Um, You know, Compass has um, a curriculum and we're going into schools from elementary through 
high school year after year talking to these kids. And I think that you can start building at a young age, even with young kids, start talking to them about what do good friendships look like, right? With your friends, what does a good relationship with your family members look like? And that conversation can eventually evolve into what do healthy relationships with a significant other look like? What does consent look like? Um, going back to the younger kids, what secrets, what does that mean? And why do, and should we keep secrets? No. Why? You know, having those conversations with kids and, um, you can build on that mm -hmm. as your child grows, just keep talking, explaining to them why it's important for you to be involved in their online activity. Right. Um, I think kids, you know, they they want their privacy, but we need to be involved as parents mm -hmm. on their online activity and explaining to them why that is right. And answering their questions about mm -hmm. it so that they know they have that open dialogue. Sure. And I, I think, People may think that they protect their child with certain things they do and they feel like they may monitor their online accounts. But there's a couple things to keep in mind. First of all, the average age of initiation into the world of human trafficking, which is 12 years old. Now, that doesn't mean that a 12-year-old is trafficked. What that means is that a predator has reached out in some way to to start to groom that child and begin the, the, tra the process to traffic that child. Um, the other thing I want to throw out there, and I know I mentioned this in one of the previous podcasts, is that uh, prior to COVID, the FBI indicated that 77% of the kids who have online accounts, which includes gaming systems, not just apps, um, have connected in some way with a, a person who's a predator who's considered a predator. So if you think about that, that's uh, three out of four kids. Um, to me, that's a really daunting statistic mm -hmm. right there. And that's prior to COVID. So now that we are um, encouraging our kids to participate in more online activity, um, I suspect that number is even higher mm -hmm. in my mind. I don't have any data to back that up, but I would have no reason to think otherwise. Um, so, so I feel to me, the online piece is really critical mm -hmm. and having the discussion with your child to make them understand, um, the, the, the people out there don't always want to be your friends. Mm -hmm. And unless you physically can touch that person and know exactly who that person is, that person isn't your friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I think sometimes even knowing where to begin you know, with our younger kids, it's, it's just a little, again, like, okay, I need some guidance here. And if you go to our website, if you look under our resource tab, there is some um, healthy relationship sites. Mm -hmm. um, there's also online safety mm -hmm. sites. So netsmarts.org is phenomenal. Yes. And it, I don't know if you've checked it out. It yeah. has mm -hmm. something for each age group, uh, netsmartskids.org. Um, and again, it's N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z. Org. Uh, but it is phenomenal. I've just really appreciated um, the, their approach. And what, how It's just guidance and instruction because, again, it can be overwhelming. What in the world and how do I do this at this age? Mm -hmm. And so. I think another scary piece to the online part or, or the friendship part for kids is that um, what the professionals have seen 
is that sometimes traffickers will groom peers to um, to groom these kids and bring them into them. So somebody your child may become friends with may be actually in the process of grooming them to turn them over to a trafficker. So it's it's just all very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I think, Molly, you brought up a good point just with starting young, mm-hmm. um, frequent conversations. Um, just because I had just recently heard um, she was a victim's advocate, and she just said, we need to start young because junior high is too late. They're already doing things online and, and within junior high and exposed to so much. So I really appreciate the, the start young. And um, and I would also add, um, like you said, there are some great resources on our, on our resource tab to talk to um, your children. Um, just so our listeners know, we also have prevention educators um, on staff. And so if you have any questions, if you want to run anything past one of them, just to get some ideas, always feel free to, to get in touch with us. And one of our prevention educators would be happy to talk to you and just walk you through that process. That's wonderful. And Compass, they are on the resource. Um, yeah. under. I love that. So under healthy and safe relationships, mm-hmm. Compass, they're that as an active link there. So you can hit on that. And I do want to throw one more thing out too, because Having raised three boys, I know how difficult having a good relationship with a teenage kid is Um, because my boys always thought I was the stupidest person to walk the earth, I'm sure. But the thing is, you can't be judgmental of your kids. You have to let them tell you things. And if they're scary to you or if they're things that you've already talked to them dozens of times about and said, don't connect with people you don't know. And then all of a sudden they come to you and say, look, this, I did this. And now this person wants me to do more. And I don't know how to get out of this. Don't start yelling. Just say, let's figure it out. Let's just figure it out. That's extremely important. And let me add, I think, Mm -hmm. I I feel like this is such a huge topic. We have so many points that we want to get across, Mm -hmm. but um, Robin, when you said I'm the mother of two boys, it, it, three, <laughs> three boys, I'm sorry. Um, it made me go to another thing that I think we need to be careful of is that we don't put our daughters in the victim category mm-hmm. and our boys in the perpetrator mm-hmm. category, mm-hmm. right? Um, human trafficking, we've, we've discussed mm-hmm. in our previous podcasts that anyone can be a victim of it. Mm-hmm. And a perpetrator, a trafficker can be anyone. Mm-hmm. And so th- we need to make sure that when we're talking to our sons and our daughters, that we're talking to them in general terms of healthy relationships mm-hmm. and to make sure that you are, are not perpetrating, whether you're mm-hmm. a boy or a girl, mm-hmm. um, and that you can be aware of how you can become a victim without that gender mm-hmm. qualification in there. Right. Relationships, healthy relationships do not mean that you owe somebody something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just huge because how many times we see teenage kids who get involved in that kind of a scenario. So you're accurate. All All right. What are some other ways that we can get involved practically? Well, Jocelyn, I know, um, in a previous podcast where you talked about the importance of mentoring Mm -hmm. and 
I think that you can probably speak mm-hmm. right about yeah the, the ways that we can do mentoring, mm-hmm. even if we're not in a you know in that mentoring role officially, right. Intentional relationships. I think that is so key and so important. Um, when you think about the various mentoring programs in our community, um, and those are more you know organized and formal, uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is incredible. Um, we have we do mentoring at Toward the Goal Ministries. Uh, we're in two local high schools and the, and the group home, and just that um, walking alongside um, a, a young person. Um, a lot of times. Um, Life is hard, right? And and junior high, teenage years, they're hard. And so a lot of times, though, kids can get pulled into um, vulnerable positions um, because of a loss of relationship, because a lot of a loss of stable or connecting or healthy relationship. And so I think this is really cool where we can be intentional um, to walk alongside a teen in a healthy uh, relationship, being a model, um, but being a safe person. Um, and so... Um, that's that's really key, um, I think, in in giving them a connecting point, a stabilizing person and persons, you know, multiple people in their lives um, that they can talk to, ask questions of, um, say, you know, what do I do with this? Um, so that is that's huge. I think we can each of us, if you have a heart for mentoring, um, and you need to be intentional and you need to be available. Um, uh, but I think that's that's one way we can definitely. Um, really plug in, whether that be through um, a formal organized program like those programs, or whether that is simply um, just being aware of people around you and being intentional. Um, You know, I think of people in your neighborhood, uh, people that you see at the store a lot, maybe, you know, the same clerk you see over and over, or um, somebody at your church, somebody at work even, Um, And maybe you know, um, maybe they're a single mom, single dad, um, but just being intentional to um, say hi, be kind, um, give a smile, but build relationship. Just check in. How are you doing? And just be kind of being very consistent. I think that's huge. Intentional and consistent. Um, I think of, you know, your own neighborhood. A lot of times we don't even neighbor much anymore, but maybe you've got some, a family going through a hard time or or like I said, a single parent who just needs, could use a meal, Mm -hmm. you know, just anything like that, being aware of the people around you and then being intentional to build relationship. Um, I think that goes a long way. That's preventative measures. That's Mm -hmm. That's providing um, support, um, and as that relationship grows, um, it can be it can be life changing. It can be life saving, actually. So, and the, the research really supports what you say about teens. Teens who have one or more trusted adult outside their family in their circle of friends tend to succeed at a higher rate than other mm-hmm. teens. And the reason for that is, in my mind, and anything that I've read, they have a non-judgmental person that they can um, talk to, and they can bounce ideas off. And it's not that um, parent-child relationship or parent-teen relationship. It's a relationship where I can, I as a teen can talk to you as a person who's kind of been there and can help me and can walk alongside me. And if I do screw up and I go ahead and do what I think I was, what I, what you told me not to do, I know you're not going to disown me for that and not talk to me and yell at me for that. 
So, so I think that's pretty critical. You're absolutely right on, on that. That's so if I would hundred percent agree with what you say, if there are teen kids in your neighborhood and you haven't met them, they're great people. Mm -hmm. Take some time to talk to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and again, that is something right. There are people right under our noses that we just don't even think about. Um, and so it's just being aware. So, um, what about, um, volunteering? Do we have some places, uh, that people can volunteer in our community? I think that's another way to be practically involved, um, because we never know who we're serving. Um, and we may be serving some, some people who are, who are vulnerable or who are survivors or victims of trafficking. So, um, I can say mm -hmm. that there are so many organizations in our community that um, need volunteers. And um, a lot of these places are losing funding themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, with the loss of funding means they have to rely more on volunteers. So this is a great time to get involved. There are so many organizations to be a volunteer at. Um, Obviously, Compass, there's Harbor House, there's mm -hmm. Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, mm -hmm. There's things that Noah's Hope um, mm -hmm. could use volunteers for. I mean, uh, almost every organization could use a, use a volunteer. And so what I would suggest is if you have um, an a organization that's close to your heart or you have a passion to reach out to a certain population, just give them a call. Give the organization a call, see if they accept volunteers, um, what you have to do to become a volunteer. Um, and I'm sure that you would be welcomed with opened arms um, at, <laughs> at our local organizations. One that I want to throw out there, um, and I want to throw it out there because when I was, during my last couple years at um, Family and Children First, I went up and took a tour of this place and um, it was phenomenal. I was just blown away by the good that they do is Salvation Army. Um, they have a lot of things, activities they do and they have family activities they do in evenings. They have a soup kitchen where that's open all the time. So they have uh, churches that support that, groups from churches that come in and um, uh, man the soup kitchen. Uh, they are always looking for donations um, for people. Uh, they just do a lot of great things. And um, I think Lieutenant Andrews and his wife have really, um, really brought a great spirit of community um, with what they're doing with the Salvation Army. So I, I would hate to leave that out. Mm -hmm. And then also, if, if, you, if fundraising is your passion, a lot of the nonprofits have uh, auxiliary groups that do fundraisers and so getting involved in something like that that's a good point is a it it gives you a way to get involved in a different way than actually working mm -hmm. with with clients mm -hmm. you know sure. so right. you have to I guess pick your passion but mm -hmm. um, yeah there are all kinds of activities and I think pretty much every church in this county has some uh, volunteering um, mission that they support. And Robin, you make a good point. Um, I think there are times that people want to volunteer and they have that passion to volunteer, but maybe are a little bit afraid about having um, to interact with survivors if they say something wrong or do something mm -hmm. wrong. 
and I'm just going to speak for a moment um, uh, from Compass Mm -hmm. in that we have opportunities for people to volunteer that are not directly with survivors. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's probably true for many of the organizations. Um, Maybe your thing is um, maintenance Mm -hmm. work and you want to volunteer some time to go and do some maintenance um, at these buildings. There's so many different ways to volunteer, but if you are wanting to be involved with a, with the clients know that many places you would be trained. You would be properly trained and given that guidance um, to, to give you, build up that confidence. Correct. I, right. I can't imagine any organization, any agency would just say, oh yeah, come in, we're going to stick you, we're yeah. going to stick you with this person to mentor. That's not how it works. Right. And I think a lot of times though, and what I was referring to as well was we're serving people we don't even know that are in those situations. You know, I think of a soup kitchen or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and it's like, you know, but you're giving and you're there to serve Mm -hmm. all. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's interesting how, because it's such a hidden kind of thing, Mm -hmm. um, we don't even know who all we're impacting. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Jocelyn, are you taking um, volunteers for your mentors right now? We are. We just had our training for the year, but we continue to train throughout the year. So if anybody's interested, um, we have a little more limited location just because we are um, at Highland and Garraway um, uh, high schools and then at the group at the group home down here. But we, yes, we will welcome. um, We do an interview process, a training. And yeah, so if you're interested, please contact Toward the Goal Ministries. Great. Thank you. Yes. Um, one, one other thing I think about when we're talking about um, getting involved or what can we do practically uh, to help fight human trafficking is I think of pornography. And I know that we are going to have an episode um, we've had at, at some point on this, and we're going to talk about this in a little more depth. So, but um this is one thing that I, I did want to just touch on because pornography does fuel trafficking. It does increase demand for human trafficking. And so I think when I think about this, I think, you know, we, we all have things that we struggle with. Um, and so, but I think to have conversations around pornography and talk about it a little more, um, because I think of the church alone and in the church 68% of men struggle with pornography and that doesn't even include the women because we've got women who struggle with pornography too and girls. Um, so I really think that's something that I just, I feel a great burden for is let's just talk about it. Um, and so that's one thing. Um, if, if you're a leader in the church or maybe you have struggled in the past, if that's something that you're looking to lead, um, just, accountability groups or something like that. And we'll talk more about this, but that that's one thing you can do is walk alongside other people um, and help as we walk together toward healing and hope, um, because that can really bind us up and, um, and change the landscape of our brains and fuel trafficking. So, um, so it's, it's also just recognizing, you know what, this is something I've been trying to get out of and I really would like help for that. But I know that takes courage to ask for that help. Um, so, but I, that's why I think if we start talking about it a little more within our churches and within our, um, you know, with our friends that, you know, there can be some, some real freedom. Well, and pornography can change the landscape of your brain, mm-hmm. but it also, because of the, um, violent nature of, of most of the pornography mm-hmm. images that, that 
um, are seen gives people a, a jaded view of what healthy relationships look like. So it goes back to what Molly talks about with mm-hmm. understanding what healthy relationships mm-hmm. are and being able to, to to put those kinds of things in place in your life. And, and that is one of the huge issues with pornography. Mm-hmm. Truly is. And I think when we talk about addictions, you know, whether that's pornography or, or drugs, um, when we, we often say like reach out for help, right? And, and that is important. But I think also if you are one that maybe is not struggling with that, being compassionate to those that right. are. Absolutely. Right. Um, putting aside any shame, any judgment and embracing the, the work Mm-hmm. that those that who are addicted to it are putting forth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be so impactful if if those who are doing the work to break this addiction can feel the support of those around that's them. So true. Mm-hmm. So true. And that's, I mean, I, you know, that's, we all know battles of some mm-hmm. sort, you know, and so that's where empathy and compassion and, and um, non-judgmental perspectives come in because that's so important. We all battle with something, so... This is a little bit off the subject, but before we end today, I do want to throw this out there, talking about uh, compassion for people and what we can do at the most basic level. If you have somebody who's been your friend for a long time and who all of a sudden doesn't want to communicate with you, seems distant, Mm -hmm. seems off, please continue to reach out to that person Uh, When we talk about intentional relationships, I think that kind of a situation is the most intentional kind of relationship because sometimes people get themselves in situations that they're not proud of, potentially trafficking, potentially addiction, um, something that they're they're struggling with. They're not ready to talk to somebody yet, but at some point down the road, they may be so it's very important to keep that door open. And I think we've mm-hmm. talked about this in other discussions, but when we're looking at intentional relationships, I think that's pretty key. Right. All right. As we finish up today, anything that you'd like to leave listeners with from overall a point or two? I think I already just did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> I, w- I just wanted to... Go back for a moment. Um, we talked about children, right? Mm-hmm. And how to educate our kids. Um, but through this entire podcast um, series, we've been saying, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we kind of arm our children with that also. Mm-hmm. And that they themselves might not be the victim, but it's a good idea to also let them know that, hey, if you see something that doesn't seem okay, Mm -hmm. say something to an adult. Mm -hmm. It can be your parent. It can be your teacher. It can be a Sunday school teacher, like any trusted adult. But I think it's important that kids feel that empowerment too, Mm -hmm. that, and to trust their instincts if they feel that something's not right with a friend or another Mm -hmm. classmate. And that's hard for kids to do because sometimes friends put them in situations where they say, please don't tell anybody. And this goes back to what you were talking about Mm -hmm. with what's a good secret and what's a bad secret. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So secrets, secrets are bad. Mm -hmm. We don't want to keep secrets. 
there's, you know, surprises, like a surprise mm-hmm. party for mom for her birthday. That's a surprise, not a secret. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think absolutely. We, mm-hmm. we can arm our kids to, to be eyes out in the community, mm-hmm. too. That's a great point. That is a great point. Thank you, ladies. Um, I think, too, as I look over what we've talked about, I just think that a lot of this, if we want to get involved, practical things, everyday things we can do to fight human trafficking takes intentionality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, we can make a difference um, uh, when we step out and and do some of these things and live with with that intentionality. Um, So... Uh, again, if you feel uh, led to give a donation, that's to Compass, right? For uh, and that's and make sure you take it as Tusk Against Trafficking. Okay, and send to again, PO Box four eighty one, New Philadelphia, Ohio four four six six three. Awesome, thank you. And then also, again, if you see something, please say something. Uh, call the Ohio Highway Patrol. Uh, or local law enforcement, 911, if it's an emergency. Um, you can call the human trafficking hotline at 888-373-7888. Or if you need help, um, please call Compass at their hotline, 330-339-1427. And again, um, we are excited about each of these podcast episodes, our last one will be a question and answer episode. So if any of this has stirred up some questions, we invite you to please submit those questions to us um, at info. This is an email, info at tuskagainsttrafficking.org or via our website, uh, which is tuskagainsttrafficking.org. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate your time, your expertise, um, and your input. So we'll see you next time. If you would like to contribute to anti-trafficking efforts in Tuscarawas County, you can send your donations to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. Please be sure to indicate human trafficking in the memo line. We appreciate your partnership in this work. Together, we can make a difference.